0: Hello and welcome to the Your Gym Big Sister podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this. And I am coming to you live from Seattle, Washington today. And today is a very special episode because I have a very special guest with me. I have none other than my boyfriend, Shane Storey. He is joining me. Shane, say hello to my wonderful listeners. Hello? That was the worst this, <laughs> of fucking ever. This is how this episode is going to go. We just spent five minutes being like, what are we going to talk about? And saying that we feel nervous to record this.
1: I kind of blanked there. Though. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't sure was I meant to like, introduce myself? Yes. Or, or was it just to say hello? Um, so yeah, hello, Uh you're a Jim Big sister podcast listeners.
0: Yeah. Does this make you their Jim Big brother? Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not.
1: Yes. That would be Get
0: that out of your mind.
1: Very strange. Um Your Jim
0: Big aunt and uncle, Mom and Dad. Jim
1: Big Daddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god. This is off to a roaring start. I hope people are laughing. Yeah, this. I think this is just going to be an hour of us taking the piss out of each other. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, Shane's story. Who are you? Where do you come from? Aside from just being my boyfriend, because obviously that's like your biggest role in life and your main purpose in life. Um, Aside from that, before before Emma, a mm-hmm. terrible time, who were who, who you and what got you into this world of being a gym person?
1: Yeah, so good question. So... Life, B-E, was where it all began. It's a big bang. Two atoms collided against each other, and all of a sudden, I was getting into the gym. That's essentially how it started. So I started training when I was 14, 15 years old, I'm going to say, because I played rugby. I was in school. I played a variety of sports in school, but rugby was the main one that I was interested in. And if you play rugby... Especially if you're playing in the forwards, where the supposed big boy boys are, which I was trying to be, you know, being strong is pretty important for smashing people and you know trying to trying to dominate, essentially, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, God, sounds very lame here. Um, anyway, so yeah, I got into the gym because of that, as well as obviously, like most young lads. Uh, to potentially attract other females no Um, no stop (laughs)
0: stop stop you didn't know me till you were like 24 well well
1: well (laughs) part part of my epigenetic code was it knew that somewhere down the line I was going to meet a girl who was interested in guys who had somewhat decently sized muscles and yeah, yeah. that was obviously just ingrained in me and that's probably like one of the reasons i pursued the purpose of actually going to the gym mm-hmm. alongside getting big and strong for obi so there was there was that so got really really obsessed essentially with training i would start just doing sit-ups in my bedroom every night doing push-ups every night until i could get access to the gym started training in the gym when i was like 16 in school we were fortunate enough to have a gym in our facilities and then it just kind of spiraled from there. There was a little bit of a gap where I was probably being a little more of a, a mad bastard when I was in college mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably was spending more time in nightclubs than I was spending in the gym. But mm. look, I think off the back of that, I really kind of realized what made me feel good day to day and what I actually draw more purpose from, I suppose, right? I, when I was in college, I did work a good bit as like a nightclub rep. I was really interested in DJing, but obviously I had started with sports when I was younger as I was like being really interested in training. And it came to a bit of a crossroads when I was in like my final years of college and the nightclub scene was not really kind of paying too much. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't really kind of helping with my college grades because I was staying up very late, partying quite often. And as a result, just not really kind of attending college. Whereas when I was a bit more focused with the gym, that was allowing me to stay a lot more on track with my studies. And then from there, I had to be like, am I going to you know, pursue getting a decent degree? And, you know, alongside that, I can be quite consistent with the gym or am I going to go down the road of trying to be a, a DJ. international DJ, <laughs> uh, which is unlikely to ever happen. So got through college. After college, didn't know what I wanted to do because I did marketing in college, and I had no desire to go and work in Google or any of these companies, especially with marketing. Like I'm, I'm
0: what not, is, I'm even not even is marketing. I'm not,
1: I'm not really like <laughs> a creative type as such. So I wouldn't be like the type of person who's like coming into departments to be like, I've got this crazy new idea for like this like pop up that we could do, yeah. um, and we could under pay a load of graduate students to come in and like you know yeah. work as reps or whatever like that so not not me but i really discovered that when i was actually doing my interviews for those jobs i was like this is just not interested in me at all and i pulled a rogue move and just said to my parents hey after paying for my last five years of university i might become a pt <laughs> and uh, my mom was just like Roll her eyes and still to this day I think my mom doesn't think I have a real job yeah. um, and neither does my dad because my dad my dad owns a bookshop uh, so side note the surname story my dad owns a bookshop called international books not not story stories Um but anyway my dad still asked me to come in and work in his bookshop even though I have an actual job where I, work. Yeah. <laughs> where so I, work, now I run a business yeah, where I work Monday to Sunday Um <laughs> so yeah that's essentially how I got into training and this whole kind of thing i is a little bit all over the place in regards to how i told that but you get the gist hopefully
0: yeah i think we have um quite similar stories because i think a lot of people would think we met in a gym and while technically that's true it was really from going out and like nights out and stuff that we kind of Mm. crossed paths so we were both in that same we were into the gym got a bit lost with partying I would say and then just grew up um but that's why we still go to like raves and stuff together like even in our old age (laughs) so we were neither of us were like obsessed with the gym the whole time um and we always talk about this like we could probably be like five years ahead of where we are now in terms of our physique development if we hadn't spent, you know, maybe like our 18 to 23, 24 going out all the time. But um then we'd be boring fucks. So mm. I'd rather, I'd, I'd take the memories. I don't care. Take the memories over any sort of pro card any day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think like when I when I have an interest in something, I tend to get, what to say, yeah, it's, I suppose yeah. you could say I'm obsessed with it, but like I suppose you could see that when it did come to my interest in music because like I wasn't into say DJing and partying for like the drugs, right? <laughs> I wasn't just there to like go into session at the weekends. Like I, I generally do enjoy the music and that, that's why I still drag Emma to go to events.
0: Drag. I go to the well, well I,
1: I would be a little bit more suggestive of going to um yeah. as well as like like I still, you know, I'm obsessed with like listening to the same music now. But that lifestyle just does not really gel with something that gives me a little bit more kind of meaning now. Like say for example I'm pretty pretty into the old bodybuilding and powerlifting stuff and you know the nightlife scene does not really kind of gel with that kind of hobby as much because if you're going out you know two to four times like a month and those are (laughs) all-nighters essentially uh that is not going to do too well with the likes of your physique development your strength development, or even just having a good routine, right? Like, I think now that I'm older, if I go out at the weekend, I it's until probably Wednesday when I start to feel somewhat okay. Yeah. And, like, can you imagine if, like, you get to Wednesday, start to feel somewhat okay, then you go out on Friday again, and then you just perpetuate the cycle. And it's very easy to actually really get into that cycle. Sure, even, like, earlier on this year, we went to Movement Festival in, in Detroit, and I had, like, 10 days where I wasn't training. And before those 10 days started, I was, like, so, like, happy with how training was going. I was, like, you know, preparing for a powerlifting competition. And then once the festival was finished and, you know, I had that little bit of break off the gym, I was dreading going back. Like, I would, I didn't want to go back. I was, like, almost, like, had that, like, gym anxiety that you hear people have to go back to the gym. And I felt like I had, like, lost all my progress. And as a result of being that state, it's so easy to actually just be, like, it's, it's easy to just, like, not go. Like, yeah. you know, it's fine. Like, you know, I just won't. But, and I really had to, like, convince myself to actually go to the gym. And then once I did, it's like, I remember now Whatever. why I do this and why I enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: no, I, I'm the same. It's, like like, a good five working days before I'm, like, fully back to normal. When you have your own business, it's just not. Like, we'll do it every once in a while, but it's just really not something that we could be doing regularly. Not the way we do it, because we don't tend to go to sleep until like 9am the next day. So that's our own fault. (laughs) Do you have any Red Bulls? (laughs) Anyway, moving swiftly along. So are you a bodybuilder or a powerlifter? That's the real question.
1: I don't like to pick sides. I don't like to pick sides. I, I, I don't like having too much of an identity kind of tied up into these styles of training mm-hmm. because I do think for, firstly it it makes people be really tribalistic mm-hmm. and somebody's perception of what bodybuilding is and what powerlifting is can be completely different to even people who consider themselves to be powerlifters or bodybuilders right so say for example within bodybuilding culture you have like like say like the UK culture of bodybuilding right so, like, you know, Doreen Yates, real fucking hardcore, like, you know, wear their, I don't know, lumberjack sweaters and stuff like that to the gym, right? And then you have people in the US who would be equally as good bodybuilders in terms of their physique development. They have completely different training styles. You know, they'd happily wear, like, you know, stringers and short shorts to the gym. And they're not any less bodybuilders. They just have different views as to what bodybuilding is. And that's completely fine. And it's the same with in By At there's a massive, like, divide between, like, federations, tested untested, you know, if you're a tested paralyster, you only wear SBD. If you're a fucking untested uh, paralyster, you're a retard. <laughs> but there's gonna be lot not seriously. Uh, there's, there's plenty of of tested pairlifters. It's it's just that's the general that that's that's the general view of like an of a tested pairlifter to an untested one, right? And it's not necessarily true because like obviously just on either side there's gonna be people who are who are who break the mold. So this is one of the reasons I don't like to have the identity of either because if I say that to somebody else, like, well, it's an easy way to describe myself. As, as soon as I say it to somebody else, they have an idea of what I am. Yeah. Whereas I just like think, like, oh, I just lift weights. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lifter. Like, <laughs> like, I don't really have uh, too much of an identity trapped in it and as well because I cross-compete. So yeah. if I cross-compete, you know, it's like... You're right Yeah.
0: But which. Which do you prefer, if you have to pick? If I told you you could only do one, I know what one you'd pick.
1: Yeah, I'd probably pick powerlifting. Yeah,
0: I, I know that too. I yeah. think you prefer. I consider you a powerlifter.
1: Don't... More so. Yeah. Because thought... you do it
0: more, maybe. Yeah, well,
1: that's, that's true. I mean, I did start off with enjoying bodybuilding more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I suppose one thing I did just enjoy about powerlifting as well. First of all, you can compete more frequently, so that yeah. definitely helps. You don't necessarily need to be obsessively lean, or you don't necessarily need to be obsessed with oh, a huge amount of things to do. It doesn't
0: lifting. take up your whole life. Yeah, I think it that's doesn't. a big difference.
1: Yeah, like like
0: if you're bodybuilding and you're prepping, like that's all you can think about for six months.
1: Yeah, which like is tiring. Yeah, like say for example, I've my next competition in April, and I probably won't. Be until like the last maybe six to eight weeks before that competition, which I'm really like, okay, I want to be as on the ball as I can here. Not to say that prior to that, I'm just like, everything is chaos, but it's just a case of like, you can't do six to eight weeks before a bodybuilding show, <laughs> you have to do six to eight months.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um you're quite strong. Tell the people what you can lift. Um, I'm sure it all sounds really impressive.
1: In bags of potatoes or bags of sugar?
0: In feathers?
1: Uh, so <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of feathers. <laughs> um, so in my last competition, I squatted 252 kilos. I benched 160 kilos and I deadlifted 292 kilos.
0: Very at, strong.
1: 94 kilos body weight
0: so that was like it was like over 700 total wasn't it yeah
1: 705
0: so that's like 10 of me yeah thereabouts yeah impressive impressive so you have
1: room to grow <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes he can he can hallow me even when i'm in off season i can jump up into your arms and you can carry me that's why i like having a powerlifter boyfriend because you can carry me no matter what no matter what so what made you get into coaching or like what made when was the moment that you thought that's what I want to do? Because you mentioned there obviously again, sim- similar to myself, I did I did five years in college and then turned around and was like, yeah, psych, I'm gonna be a PT. Uh, which I can also attest that was definitely not easy to tell my family. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> but what well, yeah, what was the moment that you thought I want to do that? Because I know for me seeing you do it was very helpful mm. because I was like, okay, it's a feasible career path. I don't think if I had hadn't had that example in my life, it probably would have been a lot harder for me to do it. And um, obviously Shane's like my biggest supporter. So what, what was it? What was like the turning point for you?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a hard one to really kind of pinpoint. I know, when I was in those final years of college, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. As I mentioned in regards to like those interviews I was doing and stuff that just I didn't really have interest in. But in my second last year I was on Erasmus in Spain. And throughout that entire year, while I wasn't spending much time in the lecture halls, I was spending a lot of time in my bedroom watching YouTube and learning more about actual lifting. And like that was like probably the year where I, I actually improved my knowledge uh, like the like the most from like having like none at all and just kind of following could be incorrect information to like learning a lot like discovering like the likes of like 3dmj and like you know uh, sigma nutrition and stuff like that like a lot of like evidence-based stuff and at the time like there's like fuck all of like that information out yeah i think like sigma nutrition had only started and like because like this is like 2016
0: yeah shane's old by the way he's, uh, he's almost 30 <laughs> that makes me feel old
1: yeah, so like this is like 2016, and I remember listening to all this stuff, and I'd be like, "Wow, this is actually breaking all this information down so clearly, so concisely into like such practical stuff that I can do." And it doesn't seem like I'm having to drastically change anything or do anything that I really, really hate doing. So from there, I like started implementing a lot of stuff that I was learning through the podcast, and started to get like better results myself in terms of my training, improving my nutrition habits. And through that year, I just got really, really interested in it. Like I was spending so much time just reading everything I could uh, to do with like improving training, improving nutrition, um, you know, getting a better physique. Cause that's the main thing I was interested in at the time was just physique development. And then, you know, did my final year, did okay my final year exams. And then once I was kind of finished, like, as I said, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I just said, fuck it. I would give this kind of PT stuff ago, like one of my friends, uh, one of my, like some of my friends went to like school, like Rob Lipsit, which I'm sure people know. And he at the time was just like starting to blow up. And some of my friends were like, you know, like just as much as he does. And like, look how he's doing. Why can't you post stuff on Instagram and put out some information to other people? And I was like, at the time I didn't really have like any kind of self belief to do so. Cause like, who the fuck am I? Like, you know, I don't have any qualifications and just started doing it. And I was, as a result, had a lot of good feedback at the time, you know, people saying, you know, the information quite helpful. And then from doing that, then I was like, right, maybe I'll start doing the PT course. My mother bought me my PT, source, my PT course for a Christmas present. Aww. Um, I, I had to f- subsidize some of it myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, you know, that's probably one of the best things I did. And like, the funny thing is, was like going into the course because I'd already done such of my own, reading prior it did give me such a really good foundation going into it because i knew a lot like i knew a lot of the stuff going into it now when i was doing the pt course there was so much stuff within it as well though that i disregarded at the time and now i'm studying it more so say for example if you're studying to be a pt you're like like a lot of people in class weren't interested in like muscle physiology (laughs) Or, like, anatomy. Like, that was, like, the boring stuff. Like, get me to the exercise. Get me to, like, the exercise science. But actually having a really good understanding of that now is allowing me to improve my service. But anyway, going back to that. So, just after, like, finishing, you know, the PT cert, I got a job in FlyFit. And it was very funny. Before I got the job in FlyFit, I, like, got my cert. And I was like, right. Now, have my cert, time to kickstart this coaching business. Put up a post on my Instagram story. Hey, guys. Well, obviously, as well, the background is pictured of me shirtless Mm -hmm. and with abs, of course, because that's how you market yourself. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, starting online coaching now. Hit me up. Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Crickets. I think, like, in the first, like, I think in the first, like, four to eight weeks of me saying I was a coach, I think I had, like, one client uh, who was somebody that I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I started working with Fife and probably one of the best things I did was actually going there because... I got to work with people in person and that like stood to me massively because I was giving out advanced programs to people who couldn't even do like a bodyweight squat, you know? And that really kind of opened my eyes to, oh, not everybody is actually as capable as maybe I was at the time because I was like making programs. So I do, right? And I think from there, I think like when you do get thrown into those situations, especially as a new PT, you kind of really learn if you do enjoy working with people. Because nothing is going to test you more than working with people who have either different goals to you, uh, different, I suppose, skill sets, I suppose, and work with people who work like, who have a lot to learn, right? Because, like, especially when you're young, you probably only have certain ways that you want to do things, especially when you're new, you're only exposed to so much. And being put in those situations does kind of really, like, take a lot of, like, effort for you to be like yeah i'm going to be patient with this person to help them learn and help them gradually get better whereas like it's it's the turnover rate in pd is like extremely high because of the fact that probably a lot of people get into it not understand that they like to train themselves but they don't necessarily like work with other people
0: yeah i think a lot of people get into even like coaching they probably see the end result. So like they see people with really successful businesses and they've liked training at some point. So they're like, I'm going to do this thing. And it's it's funny that you see them like post, like I'm a coach now with no experience qualifications. Now I will say I, I did that. So, I mean, I can't really say much, but um, I don't think they realize what it actually means to work with people. And you have to be interested in people. Like you have to be interested in learning like, why they work and I think as well whenever I'm like talking to people who want to get into coaching I'm like it's it's so hard (laughs) I don't think people realize it's so challenging um and especially I think if you're someone who's maybe like a bodybuilder who's like a robot to work with people who don't they don't care as much because that's not their entire life you know I see but like bodybuilding bodybuilders putting their coat their clients who are like lifestyle clients on like a meal plan with five meals a day. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Sharon, mum of three, she's not eating five fucking meals a day. Um, and yeah, I think I think a lot of people just get into it really too quickly and they don't have the patience to actually learn about people, mm. which like at the end of the day, that's, that's what you're doing. Like I, I spend 20% of my check-ins talking about training and nutrition. 80% are talking about mindset, or you know getting to the root of like why are you doing the things you're doing why are you acting in the way that you're acting um but yeah I do think it's uh definitely an advantage to have been on the gym floor again I didn't (laughs) I didn't do that so I know that there's like gaps in my knowledge because of that um but I just I wasn't arsed I wanted to just go straight to online
1: yeah like going, going straight from uh like you know your qualification to online it's like it's definitely possible i mean if you do have if you do have the grit to do it and if you are actually interested in like improving your own knowledge like that's you have to do that because that's what you would get from like work with people in person you get a lot of like knowledge built up from work with people like in real time whereas like if you don't have that investing a lot in your education is super important like i yeah. think that's like definitely one thing that you can't get into coaching <laughs> thinking is like that you're just going to start taking on clients and just, it's just going to be complete profit.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: You're going to spend a lot of money on just improving your service. Cause like ultimately like you should probably be getting into it. Cause like,
0: you, wanna help you first
1: of all, you probably want to improve your own results. You probably want to get better yourself. Right. Um, I don't know many people who just get into coaching because they just simply like helping people. Like it's like, yeah. surely some yeah. of it's going to be because you had an interest in training yourself. And like, if you can improve your own knowledge for your own passion as well, you are going to help. You are going to help your own clients when it does come to both the information you learn from going through the process yourself, applying that information on yourself as well, picking out maybe what you didn't like and having your own experience with that. With those kind of approaches, and then when it does come to train your clients as well, you are going to have different kind of. You are going to have like kind of general principles that you are going to use to help coach your uh, clients, but then you are also going to be able to give your own experiential. Um, a uh, kind of thought process around it to to them anywhere, coaching them. And um, when it does come to oh, what was I was going to say there, I think I'm
0: just he's gone a bit blank. Yeah, that's okay. It's late. No, when I it's not even that late, it's late for us. To be fair, we're currently three hours behind our usual time, so technically it's half six. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I was going to make a point there was that I think a lot of people they maybe get into training, they train for like a year or two years and then they're like, I'm going to be a coach. Whereas I think, you know, for example, I'll use myself as an example. I was training like eight years by the time I started coaching. I'd done loads of courses. And when I did a lot of those courses, you know, in the, in the few years before I even started coaching, I wasn't doing them to be a coach. I was doing them for myself and to improve my own knowledge. So I think like you definitely can be an amazing coach without ever having been on the gym floor obviously it depends on what your niche is going to be for example my coach christian i don't think he has any qualifications (laughs) but he's an amazing coach um same i'm pretty sure joe jeffrey i don't think he has qualifications in that sense i could be wrong there um so it, it does just depend. Um, but I think like being exposed to working with a multitude of different personality types as well, um, which I mean, if you have a lot of clients online, you're going to get that anyway. Um like, and it's just learning, okay, different people respond to different things. You know, different people respond to harsher coaching. Some people respond to being uh, a nicer, a nicer kind of approach. Some people respond to the compassionate approach. Um and I think that's definitely one of the hardest parts of being a coach is actually learning that. And I know that's something that we maybe struggle with is being hard on people. Mm. Uh, I've got, I'm getting better at it. I think when you're a, n- a new coach, it's something that is really difficult because you don't want to upset anybody. And, you know, you don't want, pe- want people to take things the wrong way and then maybe leave. Um, you know I think there is that kind of like subconscious fear but I think the the more comfortable I've gotten as a coach the more confident I've gotten as a coach and the more I know what I'm doing the more I'm like okay you're not fucking doing what you're supposed to be doing here do you actually want the results that you're saying you want or did you just sign up thinking that if you pay me money you're going to get the results because that's not how this works for is but yeah that's definitely a challenge I think coaching
1: yeah I think similar to what we were mentioning there in regards to like education there's only so much of like exercise science and like nutrition science that's actually useful for when you're coaching clients yeah the majority of it is like understanding psychology
0: yeah oh (laughs) yeah i mean like geez you can learn everything you want about strength curves and resistance profiles and you know metabolism and all that and it's like i don't talk to any of that to my clients about any of that shit the odd ones who ask because they're really interested most people just want they're like, okay, tell me how to train, tell me how to eat. Mm. And you're trying to tell them how to do those things and then get them to do those things. And that's obviously the missing is How do you get people to do the things you're asking them to do? And that's, there's no, there's no scientific textbook that tells you how to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's essentially you, especially when people don't actually understand what the root of their goal is, you are trying to essentially manipulate people to do yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. Because... Like one thing I I use with clients when I'm getting them to sign up initially is that it's from precision nutrition and they have a really good methodology in regards to like their coaching skills and their coaching process. And it's like called ready, willing, and able. So ready essentially is like how like relevant is starting this goal right now for you? Like, you know, are you actually kind of motivated and have the, I suppose, discipline you could say? Or the kind of big why behind this goal to actually pursue it right now? Are you able? Do you have the abilities? Do you have the skills to be able to kind of pursue this goal? And uh, are you willing? Like, is it actually something that is like on a scale of one to 10? Like, how much do you want this goal? And anytime somebody is like marking down, say, for example, they're kind of like seven or like an eight or something like that. You can ask them like, as opposed to say like, you know, why are you not a nine or why are you not a 10? ask them, like, why are they not a 6 or why are they not, not a 5? Because if you ask them why they are not a 9 or not a 10, what they're going to say is they're going to be like, oh, well, I'm not this, I'm not that. Whereas if you ask them why they are, like, not a lower number, they're probably going to use something a little bit more positive. Yeah. You know? Like, they are probably say, oh, well, I, I'm not actually that bad in regards to, like, my eating skills and my cooking skills. I can make X, Y, and Z. And then that helps you kind of, like most of it is getting them to kind of actually formulate the plan themselves. Cause again, I can write down a list of things to do for a client, but like, unless they see the validity in them once, if they have, if they have no autonomy in that as well for a lot of people, like even somebody who is like pretty regimented and disciplined, like disciplined, if they don't have much kind of choice within the kind of plan themselves, they're probably not necessarily going to be too diligent with it because it's, it's similar to, and you know, if I tell Emma to do something, she, even though she's probably going to do it anyway, she's probably be like, no. <laughs> I
0: do do that. I, I I, I, will often say that. I'm like, just because you told me to do it, I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> you know, so. I've always been like that, though. That's why you love me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, anyway, that's a bit of a chat about coaching. But, so, we're in Seattle. We're here for WMBF Worlds. What an exciting weekend. And for anyone who doesn't know, this time last year... Shane and I were competing at WMBF Worlds in LA, which was, no offence, a way nicer location than Seattle. Uh, we got lucky there, didn't we? We did. Yeah, that was, oh, that the vibes were immaculate. Gold gym in November. Who would have thought it would be so good? But um, obviously coming up to a year post-show now, and, and that was both of our first competitive seasons, it was a long season. We were competing for nine weeks i think in total like between first and last show which that's a long fucking time to be you know actually competing never mind on prep i think i did 31 weeks you did 500
1: i I think (laughs) i think it was like 36 or 37 weeks
0: it was a long time yeah you started a few weeks before me so like looking back or like even thinking now it's been a year like what are some of your reflections of a year post competing or what did you maybe learn about yourself or about bodybuilding in general, you know, looking back now?
1: Yeah. It's a it's an interesting question. Um, I suppose over, over the last year, it's been definitely a challenge. I would say for the, the first few months, like obviously we did move country after prep. Yeah. Strength regain did take place relatively quickly. Like I would say I was probably back within, 10% of my best ever strength levels within 12 weeks or so. Um, but during those 12 weeks, I think it was actually quite difficult from like the body composition perspective. <laughs> yeah. Just the way, the way body fat like centralizes when you're putting it back on after your hormones being non-existent, it's just, it's not really nice. you know. I would like to think that the next time I do a prep, after having experienced the the, the way I was eating post comp, post competition that I would probably go about it a little bit better, but it's very hard to say. But I have heard from other people's experiences, like the first time you get that lean and then you, you do a prep and you come out of it, like the kind of rebound can be quite difficult. Now there was no point where I was like, you know, my head was in the gutter because I was just like depressed by how I looked or like, I felt like I was out of control of my eating. Like I felt very much in control of my eating. I just, fucking wanted to do it I decided because I wanted, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because I just want to like I remember like one night we were like still living in Clancy Key and I went on like a nighttime stroll and just came back with like two pastries from the shop they weren't even that nice they were ones that have been out all day but I was like fuck it I'm not on prep anymore I've been 90s up for the last few few months <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's see how good they are
0: I definitely think the next well the next time we compete we probably won't well we won't be competing together which we can get into in a while but I think I wouldn't do like four full days. Like we stayed in LA for four full days after the show, which I think looking back, like I'm glad we did it. And I had the best time ever. And I came home like so ready to get back to normality. But I think next time, like I'd give myself, you know, that night, maybe breakfast the next day, and then try to start getting back to normal. Is just to limit that kind of initial post-show weight regain. Um, Cause yeah, like even when we were in LA, I, I never felt out of control. There was many meals I didn't finish, you know. And I remember Pocho thinking I was gonna be uncontrollable. Mm. Sure, like we we bought a box of donuts and we had a bite of each one and then we left it like that. Yeah. Like that's unheard of, like for us, you know. Um, so yeah, I found that too. It was like the food wasn't actually the issue; it was how how we gained the weight, and that's obviously part of just being natty and having absolutely no hormones or thyroid or any of those things that help with that
1: now i would say right even though the body weight came on very quickly and at the very start it looked terrible it was actually very interesting to see that once you got once personally i got up to a certain weight that things actually just started to look like better better again you know um i think so i finished prep my lowest body weight was 76 my final stage weight was 78. And by the end of January, I'm pretty sure I was like 90 kilos, you know, so pretty decent amount of weight gain in eight to 10 weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. But actually, by the time I got to that weight, I was like, damn, I look good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely did not have that experience. I remember I was like, I felt like Pro Show went well, and I just looked so. Terrible. The way I regained my weight, it just looked not very good. But again, that's just, I think, part of gaining weight when you have undetectable levels of testosterone and all other hormones in your system, it's going to go that way. Um, we love natty bodybuilding. No, I'm joking. Um, I think for me, something that I've realized being a year post show now is that it's taken me a year to fully recover. And I don't mean physically. Um, I mean mentally and I don't even think I realized that I wasn't recovered until recently so being back at like my normal body weight now or like normal I mean I'm, I'm heavier than my normal body weight I would say but I'm like around 160 pounds but like my body image is really good and I think it's taken my brain a year to remember that I don't walk around with abs and lines in my glutes and I think like the first you know a few months post show gaining the weight back I my brain was still looking for that version of me and I think it's only now that I don't look at myself and think oh god you look chunky Mm. I don't think that I think this is what I look like and actually when I see pictures of me from prep I think fuck so tiny you know whereas there was a there was a a long time where if I saw pictures of myself from prep I'd be like I kind of miss that you know Uh, so I think that for me is like the biggest thing like how long it actually took my brain to readjust and also my food focus like it was high the whole like the the whole year basically until I mean when we were in Orlando last week and I was like oh I actually don't care about food anymore like I can have a bite of something I don't want anymore and I don't have that urge to eat more, and I just feel like I actually have a normal relationship with food again. And mm-hmm. I think because I spent so long with it not like that, I just thought that that was my normal. And you sort of, you know, I think with anything, it's not until it's you're past it that you notice it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I think for me that's been one of the wildest things that I've kind of realized recently, and it's why I'm now now thinking like, no matter what, I don't think I could ever be somebody who competes every single year because. The people who are doing this every single year they're spending every year in that shredded state and they're never giving their brain and these are the girls who they cannot stand or men whoever can't stand seeing themselves like normal when that's normal and to to anybody else they they still look amazing but to them they don't
1: yeah like i suppose this probably one reason why I, i do powerlifting as well is because as opposed to tying myself worth now in my body, I can tie myself worth into three lifts. And that's a uh, much easier for me to do uh, so, yeah, as opposed to staring at my check-in pictures uh, for hours on end uh, after I take them. I can now just stare at this one minute clip of me squatting. Uh, yes. I will, op- <laughs> I will
0: often be like, Shane, what are you doing? And then I walk over and I'm looking at him and he's on his phone, watching himself lifting. i like, <laughs> <sighs> for fuck's sake.
1: Hey, uh, all powerlifters was going to relate. I'm telling you. Um, but, yeah, I suppose that's, what, like, why I do things as well. It's just because it allows me to just shift my focus away from, like, how my body is looking. Because, like, as soon as, like, I was pretty much finished prep, I was just, like, I want to get strong again. Like, <laughs> I remember my first squat session after, like, the season finished, I was squatting 140 kilos for five. And, like, during prep, probably, like, 10 weeks before that, I was able to do, like, 200 for five you know, and like my best ever being like, you know, like at the moment, like 225 for five. So like, there's like huge discrepancies, but that 140 for five quickly turned into that 200 for five pretty quickly because I was just like focused on getting strong then, And it really did help just to have that to be a focus because again, I just wasn't really kind of paying attention too much to my body, which definitely helped the phase. Like I, that's probably one of the, like, would you say that's probably one of the reasons why? You found it a little bit harder?
0: I think so. I think one of the reasons I found it so hard was because I didn't really know what I was doing post-show. Like I kind of had all these questions in my head of what class am I going to do? And depending on what class I do, what am I going to do in terms of being, you know, assisted and stuff? I think that was why I struggled the most post-show. And then the undetectable levels of testosterone. I don't think that helped because even if I'd wanted to focus on getting strong, it's quite hard to do that when you feel that way um so yeah I mean like for me I think training was really tough for for a long time post-show which again I don't think I even realized at the time it's only it was only once I started to actually feel a bit normal again that I kind of noticed that oh hey this is how training's meant to feel so yeah I think and, and also I think like look as a female society puts a lot more on our us being thin. Mm. Whereas when you're a man, if you're like strong and big and like, you know, juicy looking, people are like, Oh bro, you're look you look jacked whereas fucking nobody ever says that to me. People tend to comment when I'm lean, not when I'm not lean, you know?
1: I, I can imagine even if I we was subconscious, for both of us going over the other side of the world and going to train in a gym like pure probably yeah. didn't help. Because like say for example, the gym we train in now, like there's loads of like IFBB pros so people who are like the top of their sport in the assisted side yeah. who look you know, they, they look unnatural yeah. but like you, you see them you're like Jesus Christ I can't believe a human can look like that uh, and then we're here like becoming like two marshmallows po- po- post prep and uh, yeah not looking like nice marshmallows looking like one somebody stood on <laughs>
0: stuck to the bottom of a shoe a melted s'more uh, it's covered in chocolate <laughs> yeah no i think so i think i don't know i think moving i liked it because there was the novelty of like oh my god we're in this new course. gym and it's amazing and it was so exciting and you're like oh, i'm surrounded by these pros and right yeah let's fucking go but then you're looking at yourself and you're like fuck i look so bad but then anytime you go to another gym where there's normal people you're like i am a goddess yeah so you kind of do have to remember that because like obviously when you're in gyms in ireland like no offense to all the irish people listening to this but (laughs) as a nation not the most like genetically blessed in terms of bodybuilding so like i walk into a gym in ireland i'm probably one of the biggest ones there probably one of the strongest ones there including the men and i feel jacked whereas in pure i walk around and i'm like (sighs) yeah she's soft she's a soft girl so yeah but then i remember myself oh i'm surrounded by the best of the best so you know it's kind of swings and rounds based kind of thing. Very much so. But yeah, I think the move the, the, the no, I like it. I like I like pure. It's it is cool. But yeah, like you said, there's people there and you're like, I can't believe anybody looks like that. But yeah. it's also motivating. It is motivating.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember one of the days I was like, is like the first few weeks after Brad, I was like struggling to like bench like one twenty or something like that, and then this like big black dude comes over, loads up like two hundred kilos there in his fucking his yeezy dinosaur head looking things and like just there fucking like close grip bench and 200 like for reps easily didn't even look like you warmed up I was like like why I I try so hard
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just here busting my ass yes but no I think I think we're both recovered now and I know you originally when we stepped off stage we were like yeah 2025 and that was the plan and I think maybe you've Question mark changed your mind a little bit. So, what are your what are your future plans, or what are you thinking? what What's your what's your thought process, Shane? I
1: I did say that initially, and I suppose I think once you get off stage, you're just eager to like do that again. Yeah. But then I think once you go through the whole recovery process, (laughs) a year long
0: recovery process,
1: (laughs) once you go through the whole recovery (laughs) process, and then as well, like I I think it's e I think it's easy to like think you're gonna make. Substantial amount of progress in the time that you kind of say you will, but pro- progress just takes as long as it's kind of take, especially as you get like more advanced, and especially if you then start to have like more competitive aspirations. Right? There's a difference between doing your first season and you know doing as best as you can versus saying, okay, the time to just experience it is over, and now I want to actually do well and be competitive. Then it kind of changes the scenario, and especially again as you just get older, you spend more time, or you're more advanced in terms of training age, you kind of just like want to say, "I'm just going to do it when I think the time is right," as opposed to just setting a concrete date and it. Because, like, look, I'm not getting fucking paid to step on it, especially in actual bodybuilding stage, <laughs> and it's a huge time investment too. I have other goals alongside that, right? So again mentioned many times to do parallel things well at the same time i've goals i want to hit in that and if i'm like okay in the next two years i want to hit x total there's only so many competitions i'm going to do in that timeline there's lots of things that are going to be happening as well over the course of like the next two years i've got some friends who are getting married other shit co- could pop up too that, uh, that i'm unexpected and that's unexpected that i want to do a little bit more because again kind of using this time now as well So just like I want to also just live life, live, live yeah. life and do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the stage is always going to be there. Like I I look at people who I follow within the bodybuilding se- uh, space and like see where they are in terms of like their age. Like I'm realistically in terms of like national bodybuilders, like I am young, I'm yeah. fucking 29. Like, you know, I'm hardly like on death's door here. Like, but like, there's like people who are like in their 40s or 50s who are still competing, and doing quite well. Like, you know, Eric Helms, he's, 39, turned forty this year, I'm pretty sure. And he's been competing God since like two thousand and nine, I'm gonna say. Yeah, something like that. And like he only won his pro card this year. So I'm like, I've ten years. You've got time. You know, I've t- ten years like beh- behind him. So like you know it's pretty much just it's a long game for me. And again, I just want to get on there when I feel I'm ready. I wanna I'd love to get like a seven fifty and it's close to like eight hundred as a total in powerlifting or close to 500 dots before I do get on a bodybuilding stage again, or just until I have substantial improvements made as well as just the itch to do it. Cause like I was after last year, after the nationals for powerlifting and after hitting that 700, I was like, I was like, yeah, I, it's good. It's a good time now for me to pivot. I feel motivated to do this. And I feel like it's a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, if I get to like the start of 2025, I'm just like, mm.
0: Yeah, you have to be like all in. I think. Yeah,
1: there's no worse than like starting something like that and then getting halfway through and then be like, I'm not fully bought into it because that would just make the process so so much more. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, that was I mean when I dieted this year, it was only well, I was about to say a mini cut. I think it was like a fi- it was a fifteen week diet, so I don't think we can call it a mini cut anymore. And I just remember the whole time thinking, I I don't want to be doing this. Don't get me wrong, I didn't miss. I still did everything I had to do, but like. When that kind of drive isn't quite there, it's it's harder. Yeah. You know, it's hard to drag. Like it's hard to drag your ass down and do your cardio every day and go and do your steps and you know be hungry when your heart isn't in it. And um, so I definitely think that it has to be the it has to be the right time to do any sort of a prep. That's why I always say to people, it's like there's no rush. Mm. Like there really is no rush. And I know that's something we say to say all that even when we're just talking all the time is like people who rush into trying to get on stage, they don't usually do as well. And they usually suffer in the kind of post-show phase because they didn't get into it because they enjoy training and the bodybuilding lifestyle. They got into it because some external factor, maybe it was social media or they thought this will be good for business or they just thought they should. I think if you just think you should, that's a terrible reason to get into bodybuilding. I mean, we've we've been together for... It's too long no <laughs> five five and a half years and most of that time like our lives looked the very the very same mm. like we went to the gym we ate our meals you know like we were always doing it and then it was like oh well why not put it towards a kind of end goal I think that's the best Well, not not the best way. I mean, like, God, okay, look, you can do whatever you want. I always say that. You can also do whatever you want. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I think if you want to do well in bodybuilding, and anybody I know who does well in bodybuilding, they're like that. They were bodybuilders before, and then it's just, I'm going to do the stage bit.
1: Yeah, it's, when you've been living the lifestyle, it's essentially just, you are dialing up the intensity of what you already do. (laughs) Like, again, there wasn't really much different to the prep than the previous six months to a year before that, yeah. other than the fact that, as opposed to being a surplus, I was in a deficit and I was getting more emaciated more emaciated by the day. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it, it, is, it is very important that you kind of do it for the right reasons. And I'm very glad that I waited as long as I did, because I can tell you right now, if I did a prep when I was... You know in my early 20s or even my mid twenties I wouldn't have had the maturity and I would have had wouldn't have had the like the skills in terms of like nutritional skills or even just like m- like mental capacity for I wouldn't have the fucking grit to do it. Because like it is it's challenging. Like it's like for for most people for most people it's probably gonna be the hardest thing that they actually like willingly subject themselves to and when you are quite young you know, while you might have, like, the opportunities to be a bit, bit bit better covered, maybe have less responsibilities and stuff like that, it can become all-consuming and become all that you are. And as well, like, you can only really kind of pick up, like, nutritional skills after having done diets before yeah. leading up to it and actually consciously doing the work on it. And, like, how many people who are in their early 20s are doing it. If you are, like, fair fucking play to you. Um, and I wish I, w- I did that when I was in my early 20s. Mm. But that's like the kind of background that you need before you go into it. Because it's not like you're just, like just going to be like, right, I'm just going to start tracking my macros now and <laughs> hope for the best.
0: Get on stage. Yeah, I think you have to have been through mul- multiple diets, not mm. even just one, like multiple diets, multiple buildings. Yeah, two, two or
1: three is definitely yeah. advisable. And at least one being one where you push yourself to get as lean as you reasonably could within yeah. that t- time frame. like.
0: And you don't like slip up or like you actually take it yeah really fucking seriously um i think as well something i wanted to talk about is we're quite different in that i'm neurotic oh fucking
1: okay pal
0: he said that very fucking quickly didn't he he said (laughs) that it's almost almost like it was on the tip of his tongue okay i'll concede neurotic fine fine I'm the person who will like track to the gram like if my carb target was 150 I was having 150 I would eat like 237 grams of potatoes to make sure it was exactly right which looking back it's never exactly right because tracking isn't accurate anyway but I'm like that like very neurotic Mm -hmm. and something that always I found amazing about Shane is he's not like that at all. Like even on prep, like he'd like, yeah, like I'll just, you know, I'll just be a bit over carbs, under fat or "Eh, I'm kind of within range. I'm fine. Or like, I'll never forget one day we went and this was years ago. We got like 12 Krispy Kreme donuts and ate them all. It could have been more. And this fucking, like absolute lunatic tracked them all. He tracked them all. (laughs) And he almost told me how many calories, and I was like, "If you open your mouth and tell me how many calories I just consumed, I'm gonna kill you." And I've always been like that. Like, I don't, you know, I know I've eaten a lot of food. I don't need to track it. It's fine. But you have a very like, um, you're very emotionally detached from food. I think, you know. Yeah, so like, so. what what do you think has made you that way? Or like, like I'm just I always I, it always. Blew my mind. I'm getting better, I will say. And I, think, I think I'm getting better. Just for, for, fun story, we both forgot our food scales coming to, on this trip. Mm. And I, you know what? I was like, it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Whereas if that was a year ago, I would have lost my mind. I, I wouldn't have eaten until I got a food scales. And I've gotten a lot more like, it's like, it literally doesn't matter. It's not that deep, bro. But yeah, like, what well, I don't know. Maybe talk about that a little bit of like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> to be fair, when I'm in prep again, I will be that neurotic because mm. that's just who I am. But,
1: I I think it's more so down to do with your kind of personality types, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to anything to to do with like food. I mean, I would say a decent amount of it, a decent amount of it, like, can be like educational based. Like, you know, I know that if I'm 10 grams under my protein, I'm not going to have my muscles just like disintegrate. Um, And even with that, like, one thing I definitely do say to my clients a lot when it does come to like something like protein for example right like you have like these like studies like promoting like a typical range here is like 1.6 to 2.2 it's like a lot of those again are just like they're kind of average numbers as well and like they are kind of derived as well for like mechanistic um mechanistic kind of uh, reasonings but then as well when you look at it over like bigger populations like if you have like 20 grams less one day like nothing is going to happen uh Realistically, it's more so about like consistency of that over time, and um, and then as well, there's like there is like the, the the testing, the testing of it, right? If like you test having like rice as opposed to potatoes one day, or being that little bit over or a little bit under, and you've been tracking that stuff for years and kind of seeing what the the effect is, which is nothing, then it kind of just makes you a little bit more kind of lax with it, in my opinion. Like I've been tracking food since. I've, I've been tracking food since I've been twenty. I've been tracking food since I was, I've been like nine years, and pretty much since I've been twenty, weighing myself every single day. And there was actually a period of time where I was like weighing myself in the morning and the nighttime for it could have been like two or three years. There's no real reason for that other than I wanted to see what the difference between nighttime weight was and my morning weight was, and then that allowed me to see okay when I eat X amount of food or X amount of food volume. Or these foods, this cost of bed, this amount of sodium, stuff like that. I can see how my weight fluctuates. And it just makes me, like, less pedantic about it. Like, I suppose it's kind of – I got to be less pedantic by being quite pedantic Yeah. At the, at the start, right? And as well, seeing other people do it, too, you know? So, say, for example, one of my kind of – one of my idols would be, like, Alberto Nunez. And, like, he's – like, if you look at his, like, diet approach, like, it just seems fucking chaotic you know and like i've had him on like my podcast and again he would say it was pretty much just through him experimenting with his approach himself like you know for his first like few bodybuilding preps he never like weighed food he never tracked macros he just had like you know kind of bodybuilding foods and stuff at that time he knew he would get him in shape and then over time he gravitated towards tracking food and then that helped him level up his approach but then over time like he got really kind of could it using the skill, using the tool, and didn't need it as much anymore? And then expose himself to other diets, and then there was, as there was also like you know experiment with them, saw the effects of those, sort the of them, what he could take from them, and stuff like that. And that's essentially what the whole process is about. I think like the the longer you kind of spend living in this kind of way, the more kind of you get comfortable like testing the boundaries of what you can get away with essentially yeah you know
0: i think something you said there uh i got less pedantic by being very pedantic i think that's really important to point out and this is something i talk about as well a lot is you have to earn the right to be balanced and i think you earn the right to be balanced by being very unbalanced for a period of time so you know for example we right now like we're away We'll probably eat out a bit more. Uh, Like when we were in Orlando, we ate out quite a bit. But like when we're not out of our environment and we're at home, we do the exact same thing every day. So to the outside person, we probably are very unbalanced in that respect. Whereas people might hear this and be like, oh, well, they just said that. It's fine if I don't weigh my food and it's fine if I just, you know, kind of see what happens. But like if you've never spent the time first Mm. tracking for years, weighing yourself, like being kind of that way, then you probably don't you haven't earned that right so it does take time and I think that's something that I've learned now is like I don't have to be perfect all of the time yeah like I can like I can eyeball things and I can have little extra bits here and there and don't get me wrong if I'm in a prep I'm not I'm not going to do those things but in if I'm not I, I can because it I don't turn into a tub of lard straight away yeah, And you kind of see that it's like the evidence, you know, I used to not let myself, like even two, a year, two years ago, I never would have like let myself just have like little extra bits or a biscuit. Or, like no, no way. If it wasn't on the plan, I wasn't eating it. And now I'm like, Meh. like, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not actually disintegrating. Um, But not everybody can do that because not everybody's taking the time to get there.
1: Yeah. Like baseline behaviors are important. And this is like why you, like, why I would happily not track. Like, say, for example, when we did leave our scales at home, Emma was like, We need to buy scales in the supermarket. And I was like, Yeah, do we really? Like, like we're going to buy the same foods. We're going to have the same breakfast. Like, even though we're away, we're still, like, we're we'll probably eating out know, maybe like once a day or something like that, will we? Please. Um, <laughs> He's uh, a bad influence. So, so <laughs> like, we probably will eat like same same things. We're still training when you're here. Like, if I didn't have anything to track anything on, like, on a day-to-day basis, I'd probably still wake up and, you know, drink water the same way I do, go out for a walk in the morning, have my same breakfast, eat the similar meals I have. And I think even, like, with that, say, for example, nutrition, I think, like, one of the easiest things to do to, like, to actually, like, do portion control correctly it's just actually saying you're gonna have even like three to four meals a day it's probably like one of the first things i look at on a client's my fitness catalog so it's like not even like the content of the food is like just like have they a structure here because yeah. like i see like some days somebody's having like
0: no two no. meals
1: four meals and it's all this shit kind of thrown in around randomly mm-hmm. and it's like how you can't have consistency with that you don't you don't have a routine so i do think like having some kind of baseline behaviors in regards to like if you were to just like tell somebody like if somebody just asked you like you know what what does a usual day look like for you and you can tell them with confidence and that's something that actually happens i think one thing when I'm talking to people on consultations i'm like so what's the usual day of eating look like for you And they tell me like their ideal day and i look at their my fitness logs. i'm like these don't match up are mates. you just telling me what i wanted to hear yeah
0: i always i always hear that as like someone will fill another consultation form it's like so yeah um i'll wake up and have like protein porridge and then i'll have the and then and, and it's like and i'm having like 2000 calories and it's like okay, but you're like 20 kilos overweight. So something's not adding up. Like the maths is not mathing. So what are you not telling me here? I think you get very good at reading between. Yeah, I would say that as well. When I'm reviewing someone's MyFitnessPal, I'm like, okay. And I'll always walk someone through and say, here's exactly what I'm looking for. Are you actually just having three fucking meals a day? Because the amount of people, no breakfast, like something tiny for lunch. And then it's like 1500 calories worth of snacks. And I'm like, bro, yeah, we have work to do. Um, but yeah, I think- when, when you're as habitual as we are you sort of know like what you need in order to achieve your goals I mean like I could probably diet without tracking now at this point I could get to a reasonable body composition I, I could never I don't think I could get stage lean as a female I that that would be very difficult but I could get quite lean without it because I kind of know in my head what I've done in the past in terms of like structure of food like I know well if I have four, four or five meals a day and my two meals pre and post workout when I have my most of my carbs and then maybe one of my other meals I have some and the rest are kind of protein fat I know I'm probably gonna lose weight like I and I I can I know how to, to gauge that but again that's something that takes time I mean like you said you've been tracking since you were 20 I've been tracking since I was 17 so that's 10 years
1: yeah so, and, know, and that, definitely like my first like I'm sure my first like few years tracking I was doing things incorrectly oh so Think, wrong things that like you know I would point out to clients straight away yeah. like you know oh you should track your oils. You should yeah. track your sauces if they're pretty calorific and you're using a lot of them. Mm. Like, you know... Um, actually weigh things. You know, d- don't just half-log things. If you're not going to log... If you're not going to log the full day, just don't log it at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, or you could actually just give yourself the kind of opportunity to try to practice your skills that you're learning when you are tracking in regards to what is actually in that meal. Like, you know, going into a restaurant and like actually trying to consciously be like, how big is that steak? How much chips are on that plate? You know, and actually... Like trying to met, form like a mental bank of like what's in it because like say for example like again like I'll get clients do this but like when I go out to eat myself like I don't track it in my fitness pad like I like honestly like unless I'm dieting like I I I don't care like <laughs> I just I just don't care because like again I first of all I understand the trade offs that can happen with me having a meal out. There's more to do with that meal out than there is just like you know how it's going to influence my body composition or my weight. And then as well, I've been doing it so long that like, first of all, I'm so fucking boring that I order the same thing every time I go out to eat. Um, but then as well, I have good ideas to how many calories I would need to reserve early on that day. Yeah. And if I do go over, probably just means I'm going to train a little bit harder the next day.
0: Yeah. yeah. I agree. Very well said. Okay. Let's do some questions. Because we've been talking for like an hour. Okay. So... What was the best thing about being in prep together? And what was the worst thing about being in prep together?
1: The best thing about being prep together was just having account- accountability, buddy, mm-hmm. like having somebody that you can, Well, first of all, you can suffer together, right? But you're, all, you're also like bringing the other person up if the other person, not to motivate. Like there's plenty of times when like one of us didn't want to go and do our,
0: our very, very
1: long walk in the morning. <laughs> and like, just because both of us were doing it, we, brought each other out and that yeah. made it very very easy like you know the fact that we there was nothing in the house that was like going to make us tempted mm-hmm. uh there was you know we've gone to the gym at the same time for the most part uh you know just kind of going through it together is, re- is, re- is really fun you know
0: yeah i think so i think um i say it to everybody i don't think i would have survived ramp if it wasn't for shane like the god i i'm an emotional person so I cried a lot during prep and it was purely from self-doubt. Yeah, I just sure. thought like, I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to be good enough. And so Shane would always, um, you know, comfort me, was very, very good at comforting me when I would take my pictures and have a meltdown because I look so shit. Or, you know, I'd practice my posing and think, what the fuck is going on? I look terrible. Shane definitely helped me there. Um, so, yeah, the, I I, just, I, I don't think there was anything Bad about us being in prep together. Like, I actually think it was great. I think it made us closer. You know, yeah. like, I,
1: I wouldn't say that there's anything that, there was nothing like, negative. To me. No, yeah, there, there was no times where I was like, This was terrible. Me. Like, Emma's causing me so much stress right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, if he had thought that it would have been warranted because I definitely was cause <laughs> I definitely was a stressful person to be around at times. But, um, I know,
1: like, I, I knew it was like, I knew at the time because, like, look. If anybody who's listening to this podcast has probably not gathered by listening to Emma for through all these episodes, Emma is a very, very high achiever and she does not do anything like in half measures at all. Uh, so for her to do a bodybuilding prep, like she had very, very high expectations for herself. And naturally enough, that's gonna come a lot of like self doubt as well because bodybuilding, you are not in control of anything really. Yeah. So, like you know I I understood that. I know Emma I love today to <laughs> understand that so you know i want to see her do well i want to see her not be sad and believe in herself so
0: yeah no it's so cute shane's cute She's like my biggest fan um yeah no i i like i honestly can't there is nothing bad i think it was i think it, it was really fun i think like when i think about prep and how you know all my good memories it was just like us like doing it together like traveling together you know flying to the states together or like fucking running around these cities starved in the morning (laughs) trying to do our grocery store grocery shops like you know my mom asking us why we looked so sick all the time and us being like we look fine and now looking back seeing that we did in fact look like we were dying um so yeah i just i think it was a great experience and i know some couples who like they cannot prep together um because it just doesn't work, and in my opinion, that's probably a sign that they're not a very good in relationship.
1: Well, I w- I would also say it also depends. Again, it comes back to the personalities, right? If we had, if we were about of the same like kind of like
0: neurotic, maybe yeah,
1: like I don't think it wouldn't have worked, right? Yeah, like say Emma and her mother are the exact same in terms of like their kind of like personalities, and they clash. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you, you talk about the big bag like the two atoms are. <laughs>
0: Just outing um, us.
1: Well, it's, it's it's true, but like, say for example, if you have that in the in the household, like say for example, I can deal with you being hungry. I know it's like kind of back yes. off and stuff like that. Whereas, like if I was like also like emotional. if I was like okay, like I am really hungry now too, but I understand that if I I'm like being selfish, I'm like no, I need to get my meal in now and don't just let her do her thing first. Like that's like that's gonna cause unnecessary stress, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely do think if you have to your yin, that it does make it a lot easier. But if you are about to absolute <laughs> lunatics, um,
0: I think we complement each other because I think I like not not bring you up, but like I, I'm I'm his I'm, I'm his, his each other to what's speed. it, side-keeper, yeah, I'm his side-keeper, So like Shane is slow, okay, so Shane Shane moves slowly on time. He <laughs> moves slowly, so <laughs> I keep him. I keep the pace right. up, so I think I kind of keep us like in that sort of like rah we have to get everything done kind of high energy and then you kind of calm calm me down yeah, it's so like i think calibration yeah so i think i think we work well in that sense um i think we definitely learned like when to leave each other alone you know because like like when you're in a prep it's like sometimes you just don't fucking want to talk to anybody and i think we got good at knowing when we needed to give each other that space and then knowing when we could like yeah. be friendly. Um, but yeah, I be think friendly. we should be friendly. We're friendly. Um, okay. What are the po- pros and cons of dating someone in the same industry? Um, I mean, pros is it's easy because like you have the same interests. I would say cons is that you become very one dimensional. You know, I, I think that's a fair, I think it's a fair thing to say. Like, you, yeah, do, yeah. you know, like we, we talk about training and coaching and everything a lot. So you know, I can I, I think in that sense,
1: yeah, I I think as well, like work well working especially online and in the same house altogether, it does kind of make you like both one dimensional and also a bit of an introvert. And um, like sometimes when I'm talking to people who again are outside of like the fitness space and maybe I don't know them too well, I kind of feel a little bit autistic. <laughs> like, I think
0: that's just you, babe. Yeah,
1: um, but. Yeah, it's it's that's pretty one Like, because like, say for example, we've been over here in Canada for like so long, and I think like it's only like the last like few few months that we've really started becoming like a little bit more friendly with people from seeing them in the gym. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you work in a workspace, right, and you have like work colleagues there, you get to know people that way. um And then maybe if you're not working in the kind of fitness industry, you might, might enjoy a few tinkles every now and again, you know. Mm-hmm. um And that's a great way to get to know people. Most people I, I know quite well. I have good relationships so i actually know them from from drinking Ooh, alcohol yeah. which is which is hilarious when when you think about like the kind of my my main interest but it does like you, you form great bonds with people yeah. when you go drinking drink with them and stuff like that um mm-hmm. but i suppose that's probably one of the biggest biggest downsides. It's just become it's it can be quite lonely for the two of you because you don't really kind of do anything other than spend time with each other's companies which i love you and know, all but like it's fun to see other people do <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's true. Like it's it's amazing to like have somebody like say for example, if we decide we want to move somewhere, like we we can just fucking move somewhere. Whereas if one of us worked in a job where we had to stay somewhere, then we're both tied to that place. So I think that's like an amazing pro. And yeah, I mean like obviously we can like reassure each other. You know, like if we're having struggles with like coaching or business it's nice to be able to vent about it and someone actually understands you know like god i think we like we spend so long no offense to any of my clients giving out about clients. none of my nice clients who are listening to this i course.
1: don't give out about any of my clients.
0: <laughs> all you right
1: just, you just vent to me all
0: right all right all right <laughs> uh frustrating situations and like someone actually understands and is like oh yeah i get that all the time too Yeah, it's uh, troubleshooting troubleshooting that's a better word um so that's nice i think so yeah I think I like it I can't yeah. really imagine i I don't think i I can't imagine being with somebody who wasn't into this in some way at least I think it would be really challenging um I don't think it would be possible mm. but i I can't imagine it That's cause I can't imagine my life without you
1: oh yeah like I mean like <laughs> sure even since you started coaching like because obviously i I've been coaching longer than emma has and she was doing stuff pre- previously she's in college and she's working in the lab and stuff like that and since she started coaching i've had a little bit more to talk to her because like she gets it
0: yeah yeah
1: So not like i'm just like i don't know, speaking into the void yeah. uh but she she like she's like tell me something like i'm like mm-hmm. cool yeah. sounds really interesting <laughs> yeah it's
0: like oh no i'm so <laughs> sad that your flow cytometry didn't work <laughs> <laughs> okay someone asked do you think it's a good idea to have professional photos done once you've nailed your diet um, I don't know. If your goal is to do a photo shoot, then it probably makes sense to get the photos done. But unless your goal is to do a photo shoot, then no.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you can just take as good pictures with your iPhone. Really, like I don't.
0: It's It's, it's, it's photo shoots are expensive.
1: Again, I only did my first photo shoot last year. You know, and it was because because maybe now looking back I wish I did I did more of them while I was in prep, but it's a big expense like really for like a it few is. brushed up pictures and unless you're the type of person who's either going to be using it for like business or or, or you gen, genuinely just like have that as like a personal goal like i have a client who did his first photo shoot last year and he's like, well, like elite level powerlifter and he just wanted to do a little bit of a, bit of a pivot from powerlifting and just get in shape for his like 40th birthday fucking did it and you know he looked he looks sick but then after that, it's like you know probably he's like I probably won't do that again and I just focus on paralety again. I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. Like, it's, like it's like a nice memento, me- memento to mm. say that like yeah, I can fucking do that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like just if it's just off the back of just a successful diet, like
0: mm. yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't bother. Um, do you ever see yourselves combining your businesses and working together?
1: I'm sure we will one day, but we haven't really, we haven't really spoke about it like.
0: Yeah, I think at the moment our coaching businesses are quite different. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm obviously like all female strong girl community, strong girls like, uh, very much going into like the physique bodybuilding kind of thing, whereas you're obviously more like powerlifting oh uh, more powerlifters yeah more of the kind of i was gonna say evidence faces if i'm not i think we're quite sitting down, but i'm sure in the future we will because like it makes sense but
1: yeah
0: i mean like i'm only two what, i mean my my business is only gonna be two in january so
1: that, the only thing I, I, I like always think about in that situation is just like like i don't i don't Like the kind of idea in a sense of like joining business with like somebody that you're like kind of like in the romantic relationship with, in a sense, I don't know. There's like sometimes you can have a a pro, like if you go into a a partnership, but like if it if it comes something that got like causes points of tension because of business, that's what that can be a little bit of like challenge because like we don't have any issues like we, we like myself and Emma like rarely ever bicker. If I'm just yeah. trying to get it to like clean up the house or <laughs> yeah. something like that, try to <laughs> the height of it, uh, and she's like screaming at me to to get ready for the gym. Um, but other than that, we're like we don't really kind of bicker and stuff yeah. like that. So like, I wouldn't like us to be in a position where like it would I know she's it. getting annoyed at me because I did post something on Instagram or yeah, like, you know, like
0: or like you didn't do the tax return. I, I think yeah. yeah, yeah. I I kind of like. I mean, like we just said there about being one dimensional. Can you imagine how much more one dimensional we'd become if our businesses were the same? So, like, I think to a degree, I kind of like that they're separate now and that we have our own things and like we work on our own things. But who knows? I mean, like, I don't know what the next two, three, four, five, seven, ten years. We've always got
1: to set up our own business that's not culture related. Yeah, who knows? Only fans, um, you know. Uh, look, Don't put
0: that high. People, it, said. It, it's
1: it's been put out there before. Yes, by other people.
0: Yeah, um, or I I think if we were <laughs> to have a business together, it would be like a property investment.
1: Like that. Yes. <laughs> well, wow, That's being <pretty>
0: realistic. <laughs> I yes. think so. S- s-
1: selling sunsets.
0: Yeah, you never know. You never know. But yeah, no, it's a good question. But I mean, like, if you were to ask me last year if I thought my business would be where it is this year, I wouldn't have thought so. So who knows where it will be in the next five years? But. An interesting question. So, um, has Shane considered losing his natural status since you have made the leap? And I'm going to ask another question off the back of that is like, what do you think about me being not natty anymore? Okay. Because we didn't actually talk about that. And I'm sure some people might be curious as to like what your thoughts are. So answer the first question first. Have you ever considered, has seeing me obviously turn into a fucking beast made you think, fuck yeah, I want a piece of that?
1: um i would say no (laughs) still um and it's it's not like i don't really have like a moral stance on like the whole kind of drug situation it is me it's like really just like a case of like what i've been exposed to like i was exposed to like like the natural side of bodybuilding like very early on and like i'm glad i'm glad i was because like if i wasn't probably very early on was very irresponsible and not mature i probably would have hopped on juice Mm. pretty early right whereas again i started following a lot of people in the kind of space and i could see like what was possible so i was like why can't i just like push myself towards that and like look at the end it is like less effort to like do bodybuilding naturally in a sense because you don't have to have this like extra thing that you're looking after right because like like how many people are like how many how many people who are like (laughs) like you know taking pds and they have the, I don't know, they, they're under, like, proper, 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 proper tight supervision with it, if yeah. you get me. Because, like, at the end of the day, it is still kind of guessing game with some compounds, especially if you're not getting them, like, pharmaceutical grade. Yeah. So, like, there is, like, that. And, like, so, from what I've been exposed to, who i look up to, how much potential I still see that I could uncover in my own physique. And uh, then there's also the fact of like I'm pretty realistic in regards to like where I could take my kind of bodybuilding aspirations. I know I in anything I do, I would do want to like do my best in it. And if I was to hop on PDs, I probably would be like, Oh, I want to like you know get an Olympia stage. Mm-hmm. And like structurally, like I would know right now if I was ever gonna do that and mm-hmm. I'd just not like, you know, if I was, if i was, if I had that potential I would have like like no. I would I would have been like top three in WMBF worlds last year and like Stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Which I wasn't. That's completely fine. And so there's that, right? It's like understanding and being realistic about like my absolute potential. Uh, there's also some other kind of reasons like vanity, for example. Like I like my hairline. I, lo- <laughs> I like my hair, yeah, you know? And <laughs> Shane I,
0: has an amazing hair. I also like
1: the fact that like some people still think I'm young. So like not yeah. only, like recently somebody taught I was actually like in my early 20s and I was like, damn, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, whereas like, look, if you ever see lads who, Aaron says they look they look older right it's not not an issue but like I don't want to look older um so there is that and then there's also like the case where I don't want to be faced with the issue of downsizing you know again mm-hmm. like if I want to pursue my best physique naturally I want to get as big as I can naturally if I want to do it assisted I'll do it as big as I can assisted and that comes with a whole host of problems like yeah. there's a load of like 300 pound bodybuilders in pure and like they look great in the gym but I'm sure outside the gym, they're fucking extremely uncomfortable. Like, I remember seeing Quentin, like, we, we were on the plane back from Olympia the, the last week, and one of the guys in the gym, he's like 300 and something pounds, like six he's foot, massive. whatever. He's fucking huge. And he was just sitting in tiny airplane seat. like, God, I feel uncomfortable in those airplane seats. Yeah. Like, and I'm like a hundred and so pounds lighter, you know? So I'm like, that's also the, also the case. And I look at people again who are, you know, 10 years, 15 years ahead of me, and like they are unbelievable shape for their age, and they don't look completely ridiculous at the same time, right? Like, you know, nobody's going to, as much attention as you like to get when you are kind of like in shape. I wouldn't want to be the like Getting center enough. of attention. If I go to a restaurant, I don't want people to just be like staring at me, and be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> but you do get with some of these like, like IFU bodybuilders. So, yeah, They're, like there's, there's plenty of reasons. Um,
0: I think as a male, it's it's so much more risky. Don't get me wrong. It's it's risky as a female. Like, obviously it is. But I think when you're looking at the health risks in terms of like your, lim- your liver, your yeah. kidney, your brain, like these things are so much more affected in males because there's like that massive weight regain. Like you'd be going from being like whatever, 200 pounds to 300 pounds. Like that's a big difference from me who's maybe gaining an extra 10 pounds of lean tissue it's it's a huge difference I'm not saying that like it's and it's healthy for me or whatever but like i think it's it's so different for a male because it's like so much more extreme
1: yeah and and then like there's like the mindset or like issues that stem from that so as i mentioned they're downsizing like nobody likes to see themselves like
0: the best like
1: of like backtracking from something right yeah. and if I was knowingly going to like training sessions, knowing that like I'm getting smaller and I'm also getting weaker. Like, what does that do for like my my, my self efficacy or like what I want to do going forward in the gym? Um, as well as then when it does come to like say for my for example, my other goal like powerlifting. thing, is so much more opportunities when you do it like uh, the test route, and, you, and you're you're doing it naturally, and as well if you look at like the amount of injuries that people get when they do start taking PDs and they start training for powerlifting it goes up massively like the amount of people i know who as soon as they hopped on like they just started getting like all of these like bicep tears you know pec pec tendon tears uh because you are trying to increase load faster than your tenants can reasonably mm. adapt and i don't want to do that like i don't want to go through these i don't want to get injured like, i hate injuries hate even like i have elbow pain at the moment and i'm fucking like it's <laughs> annoying me like
0: yeah, I think as well. Like you, and, I, and I, this is something I was thinking about when I was making my decision. Was I will have no issue with going from being bigger to losing some of that size because for a female it's not societally mm. as accepted. So actually, I won't. I won't mind. Like if, if I have huge delts and then I lose them, I'll be okay. I mean, if I lose my bum, I'll be sad. But like you know, I think it'll be less, less mentally like. I, I, I know it's going to be hard. I'm, like, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think it'll be less so. Yeah. Because for me, it's like, well, I, you know, I don't want to be looking like that for the rest of my life. Um.
1: There's, there's also the, like, I suppose, something I definitely have to say here because it would be life. If I didn't say it. Uh, like, there's definitely some little bit of like, I don't know, not cockiness. I would say a little bit of arrogance, I suppose, as well that comes with like being a natural. Oh, right? yeah. So like, and, and, and this is like, say for example, like in like an outsider's perspective, I have a lot of friends who, if they hear that somebody's on steroids, they'll away like discount that person's hard work to get there. And you see this on like online forums as well. Like, oh yeah, he only looks like that because of juice or something like that. And like, it completely just dis- like, as somebody who's in the game, I know exactly like, the level at which kind of steroids can like take you but i also know that they are not necessarily going to bring somebody who has terrible ge- genetics terrible work rate or workout ethic ed- and like give them phenomenal results right mm. it does take a lot of grit and like determination and like time in the game to get to these like amazing physiques right it's not just like you you, you pin and like you yeah. become like derek lunsford <laughs> yeah. right it doesn't happen like um so there, there is that right but then it's like when somebody says to me or like like accuse me not accuse me but like ask me if i am on something and i'm like oh no i i, I do this like naturally and then there's like oh really that's that's quite impressive i'm like yeah it's quite impressive to see you don't necessarily need to be like yeah. you know take stuff because like look it's young guys especially are look us guys were we're kind of retarded um. we're way more likely to take risks and especially when you're younger and like you have like you just kind of see like the next like few weeks of your life being like the most important like weeks ever and this can cause you to make like short-term decisions in regards to like you know drug use whether that be like you know recreational drugs or something like pds and for people that young to be able to see what you could do without taking stuff and be able to see you could fulfill a natural genetic potential first before you kind of make that decision i'm glad i did make that because like look if i got to the point where i was like fulfilling my natural genetic potential i'm like yeah i could probably do something you know if i actually did go assisted like i probably wouldn't make the leap like i don't i don't necessarily have again have like some kind of moral stances to be like no this is the right way to do it this is the right way to bodybuild you know um it's just a case of if I was to gain another 10 kilos of muscle right now, I don't know if anything would change for me. I don't think I'd be any happier. Mm. Like, I'd just, just be... Bigger. i have bigger clothes, like... Yeah. And chafed and... thighs. <laughs>
0: Welcome to my world. So, what do you think of my decision to go assisted?
1: So, I always knew that you were more interested in the IFBB type physiques. Because, like, look for females it is kind of more it's it's more noticeable right it's like definitely like Mm -hmm. would you agree yeah like when you're watching uh natural female athletes like they typically don't have huge amount of muscle unless they have like extremely good genetics really good kind of muscle bellies and like more people like that are coming out now because there's more people in the sport more females are doing it which is fantastic so that could be a reason as well, right? So it's not necessarily just like females are just like not able to like yeah, have right. as, as much, as, as amazing physiques as guys. Uh, it's just a case of like the numbers in the sport, right? Uh, but I always knew that you were interested in that more. So I could see you kind of going down that route. And I think kind of like similar to what I mentioned there in regards to myself in regards to potential, like you showed last year that you do have the potential to take assistance. And do pretty fucking well right <laughs> like you won all the irish shows last year you almost won the overall of like an untested show mm. right it's pca you uh won europeans came third the worlds i uh, won the uk show which is a fucking new show i came second i came second <laughs> sorry, sorry came second um but like and that was in your first year right and as well i know you're not silly like i know you're stupid like you're yes. fucking one of the smartest people i know <laughs> so i knew you weren't to and you're not like irrational i don't I, yeah. I know you think about things for a long time so you had both you have both like the kind of genetic kind of capabilities to do extremely well you have a phenomenal work ethic as well so you're certainly not going to just like like you know pin and hope for the best uh, and then as well you are very smart with decisions so, and even now like going through uh your kind of process with it like you're prioritizing things that are important like you're prioritizing getting your cycle back and stuff like that yeah. for like the next few months as opposed to like I'm you know, just saying hey Which I may as well. as well just fucking hammer more drugs now and just get fucking huge you're you're prioritizing something that's yeah. like that you definitely should so like again I've no moral stance on it and like I want to see you do as well as you can I want to yeah. see you be your best self and yeah, I want to be there to uh, sip the champagne while you're up on Olympia stage and get some nice tickets <laughs> well, uh, <laughs>
0: I don't I don't know if I'm, I'm gonna be quite there. I think I know um probably glad that I want to do wellness, not just because they've got massive bums, but I do think I don't know, but I think if I wanted to do figure, you you would maybe not love that as much. Maybe I don't know, may, maybe I'm putting thoughts in your mind or words in your mouth, but you know, there's there's a difference between someone who's walking around off season figure Huge back, huge biceps, kind of looks, you know, looks, and it's not that, I'm not saying that looks bad, but as a male, I can see why maybe you wouldn't love that for your partner. Maybe?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, suppose, like, you, know, you know, know, like, I, like, I suppose I, you I, could say, like, look, like at, the, at, at, like, at the end of the day, you're going to do exactly... Uh, Like what you want, and like, I I love you regardless, I love you unconditionally. Uh, But at the same time, of course, I mean, like, look, like physical attraction is still important in a relationship, right? But that's why I mean, like, (laughs) it's starting to look more like fucking John Cena or something. Yeah, no, (laughs) and
0: and that's why my my femininity is very important. And that's why it was something that I asked you about and we talked about because if if Shane had genuinely said, like, "I, I don't, I wouldn't want it, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have because like my relationship is much more important than my bodybuilding. You know, as much as I, as much as I wanted to do it, I wouldn't have, but I know that you would never say no. I, I like, I know that you would never tell me not to, but she like, I, I want to walk around with a giant ass and I don't want to, I don't want a massive upper body. And you know, mm. that's, that plays into the reason why I made the decision. Anyway, it was like, I didn't want to stay natural and just grow a massive upper body either. So. Probably um, be
1: one of the only things I would say you should do it. And you'd like, yeah yeah yeah
0: generally 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 i tell them to fuck off and i'll do what i want but i think well with with something like this it's obviously going to impact the rest of my life it's a huge decision um but Shane was always very supportive um because it it was a decision that took me months to make like it took me so long so many so many back and forths and i don't know what i should do and you know it, it was a tough one but i i think uh yeah it's, it's good, to, good to get your insight into it but I'm sure you won't have any issues when I've got a fucking giant ass I certainly nope. wouldn't I would certainly wouldn't um, that's I'm gonna ask oh yes someone asked how's my sex drive been now since being on steroids uh, steroids not really making much of a difference actually having hormones definitely makes a difference <laughs> is Shane on steroids as well no what made you both leave Ireland me <laughs> Well, no, that's not true. We did about want to leave.
1: Yeah, we both wanted to move abroad. I suppose, why stay in Ireland?
0: Yeah, there's literally nothing there. You know, like,
1: honestly. I mean, I, I definitely think if you are, if you have the opportunity to, like, travel, like, why not? Like, Ireland is, Ireland's always going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and Ireland's not going to change. No. Like, go out and see the world. Yeah. Like, it's, it's bit, like, even if you, especially if you're young, like, like I, I'm very grateful that I got a lot of opportunities to like travel when I was like younger. Did like Enrasmus? Did J one? I don't even have to do J ones anymore. Um,
0: <laughs> You're not that. Fucking no, old. no,
1: no. But Donald, Donald Trump when he came no, in, they I think d- he stopped something. No, to do J1s. they definitely do? I oh, did. I found okay. J1s last year. Um, but yeah, there's like lots of different things I, I I got to do um when I was younger, and now even as I'm like older now, I'm like lots of the world that I still haven't oh, yeah. seen i do want to see and if i don't have a job or i'm tied down to one place i work for myself i've kind of put myself in the position where i can travel more like why not why not like sure even like like the main travel we've done over like the last few over the last year while we have been here yeah like came over to canada what well, we went to detroit been to new york already been to orlando in seattle now going back to new york going to mexico yeah uh, i was in france there in in fucking what was it june june like i can no, right. um,
0: yeah oh yeah so i like, think like especially when you're like us there's really not too much to do in ireland because all you can do in ireland is go out and drink and that's not really like we discussed what we do so yeah, yeah. i think it was just like we were well, pretty eager to get out obviously we wanted to compete like at home but then we were like, right, we're, we're leaving after, and yeah. so Canada was. So yeah, just Ireland's a bit me That's why jokes. I love Ireland. Yeah. Like, look,
1: I, I I love all my friends and like everybody that I do know at home. Um, but being you know, there I, for I, two weeks as I, well, I, I don't think I don't think you sh- I don't think you should, uh, have that as a reason why you don't want to also fulfill some of your own kind of. hopes you know if you only ever stay in one place because of x y and z or because of other people or something like that uh, because you're a little bit afraid to kind of experience something different you're going to look back and like like 20 30 years time and kind of regret the fact like my mom still kind of tells me how like she wish she did more traveling when she was younger um regrets like i not kind of take a leap to go to australia and stuff like that when she was young and that's something that she always kind of pushed me towards, is to God. go out and experience different kind of cultures and go to different places. Because yeah, again, you don't want to be that person who's like looking back and saying, "I should have done that." And I now, because I'm depressed and have ten children.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's well said. I think that wraps it up, babe. We've been here for an hour and a yeah, half. burning it's
1: almost, the ears off all these people.
0: It's almost it's almost getting dark now, and we are still yet to go out and explore Seattle. So. Thank you so much for listening. Shane, thank you so much for coming on. It was a wonderful shot. I'm sure people are going to benefit a lot from this. Maybe. Do you have, shut up. Okay. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom to give to my amazing listeners or do you just want to tell them where they can find you? Um, I have some male listeners and they might be interested in coaching.
1: Oh, yeah. well, Very yeah, small it, percent. If, if you are interested in finding more about me, I do have an Instagram page, so s story 94 i'll link that, it below yeah that's where you can find me on instagram i also have a youtube where i just vlog my training and my ramblings and stuff like that yeah. from i sometimes time time. make
0: a guest appearance and it's cute yeah
1: i actually have so if you are like a guy who doesn't this and you're like interested in bodybuilding like i have my entire prep like yeah. documented like I have, a, I have a vlog like each week from that where you can see me going from since you got powerlifter to bodybuilder so you check that out like sometimes i actually watch back on like jesus christ that was, that was an experience. Um, but yeah, def- definitely do check it out. Would appreciate some subscriptions too, please. Thank you very much. Um, and then as well, I also have a podcast with my friend, Lawrence King. It's called The Strength Syndicate Podcast. And in that, we kind of get guests on on a weekly basis, uh, like body build- bodybuilders, uh, powerlifters, researchers uh, to, you know, I suppose, improve our own knowledge and then hopefully improve our listeners' it. So if you're interested in powerlifting, interested in bodybuilding, do check it out. And yeah, if you're interested in coaching, you know, you can always just drop me a DM on Instagram and we can just have a chat and see if we're going to be a good fit together.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm due to be a guest on their podcast soon. Yes. i been saying it for fucking ages now. Yeah, long awaited. Um, yes. So look, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would give it and the show a rate, review, follow, subscribe, like, I don't know, all of those things. Of course share this episode on your stories and tag both of us we would both very much appreciate that so that we can say thank you and aside from that I shall love you and leave you and I shall catch you in the next one thank you